0: Chapter 11, The Magician's Notebook, Part 1. For most people, Monday mornings are a source of dread. Although Cass was unconventional in many ways, including her attitude toward most days of the week, she too often felt a sense of doom on Monday mornings when she faced the prospect of the long school week ahead. But on this Monday morning on the school bus, Cass could hardly think about school. She was too excited. That afternoon, the investigation would resume. Slipping down low in her seat out of the view of the other student passengers, she pulled the magician's notebook out of her backpack and examined it in her hands. The notebook was larger than the common school variety and it was flatter. It had no rings and it was more like a binder than what you usually think as a notebook. The leather cover was brown and shiny and embossed. Cass noticed now with a familiar Art Nouveau design, the same swirling vines and flowers that decorated the symphony of smells. But Cass was certain the notebook was not nearly as old. The magician must have had made it to match. Maybe when her investigation was over, she could ask her grandfathers about that. As she flipped through the pages of the notebook, she accidentally discovered something about them. All the pages were double pages, folded over on themselves. After a little fiddling, she released the pages from their binding and they opened up like an accordion. She stared in amazement. Unwittingly, she had figured out what underneath meant. The answer wasn't buried underground. It had been right in front of them all along. The magician's story was written on the reverse sides of the notebook pages underneath them. The rest of the bus ride was pure torture. All she could think about was what was written on the undersides of the notebook pages. She wanted nothing more than to start reading, but she knew that wouldn't be fair to Max Ernest. As annoying as he was, she reminded herself they were collaborators. She had to wait. Hoping to catch Max Ernest before he went to class, Cass started looking for him as soon as she got to school. Unfortunately, she couldn't walk very fast. Something was standing in the middle of the hallway, impeding traffic. When she got closer, she saw that something was Benjamin Blake. Oblivious to the crowd of students around him, Benjamin stared at the paintings on the wall as though he couldn't quite believe they were real. The funny thing was, the paintings were his, as was the plaque next to them declaring him the winner of the Young Leonardo's Contest as were the congratulatory letters from the mayor and the governor, as was, well, you get the idea. As Cass tried to pass him, Benjamin mumbled unintelligibly. He sounded like he said, "'I smell a hint. Dip your ice cream.'" I don't have any ice cream. Does it look like I do? Responded Cass, who hated mumbling even when she wasn't in a hurry. By the way, in case you haven't noticed, you're in everybody's way. Besides, you probably shouldn't stand in front of your paintings like that. It looks kind of conceited. Benjamin reddened and rushed off in the direction Cass had come from. Cass continued down the hall, knowing she had been a little insensitive. It wasn't Benjamin's fault he was the way he was, but she didn't have time to worry about his feelings. She had to find Max Ernest. She hadn't made it much farther when her path was blocked by Mrs. Johnson, who was talking to some other grown-ups and showing them around the school. Cass was about to push past them when she stopped cold, her heart beating a mile a minute. It was them. She was positive. She recognized their hair and the gloves on their hands at her school. Cass hung back a few feet, shielding her face with her backpack in case Dr. L and Miss Maves turned around. Well, I guess that's all the questions we have. Miss Mabes was saying in her terrible tinkle. We're glad to see you have such talented students and staff. Thank you so much for your time," added Doctor L in his recognizably unrecognizable accent. "You're very generous." "Not at all," said Miss Johnson, beaming at them. "It's wonderful to see such involved and concerned parents. I'm sure your son will be very happy at our school." "Their son," thought Cass. "What son?" Dr. L turned, so Cass had to duck out of sight. When she looked again, they were gone, and Mrs. Johnson was walking toward her. Cass waited for the principal, then started walking alongside her. Mrs. Johnson was a fast walker. It was hard to keep up. Those people, did they ask about me? Cassandra, when you want to speak to me, you should say, excuse me, Mrs. Johnson, then wait until you have my attention. Excuse me, Mrs. Johnson, do I have your attention now? Yes, you do. And no, they did not ask about you. Why would they? They're parents of a prospective student. They were asking about our art program. Then they were lying, said Cass fiercely. They're horrible. I don't even think they're really parents. Cassandra, what an awful thing to say about the people you don't even know. Did you notice how they were wearing gloves, even though it's not hot out? Some people consider it polite to wear gloves in company. Personally, I think it's a very refined habit. I may just start wearing them myself. Mrs. Johnson looked hard at Cass from underneath her large turquoise hat. Is this all because I wouldn't order that evacuation you wanted? You know, if I shut down the school every time you thought something was wrong, nobody here would ever get an education. Yeah, I'm sorry, Miss Johnson. Bye. Cass left Miss Johnson, shaking her head, and hurried down the hall, but it was too late. They were gone.